So I'm here with Derek, and you are the co-owner of A1A Brewery, but also the head brewer. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I um, yeah, uh, myself and Brian uh, started the business uh, 2015, and yeah, kind of started up on the home brewing side. And uh, I was well once we once we got going, it was it was it was kind of starting up. Uh, Brian probably touched on this, but um, uh, at a local bar, and then going to the local homebrew shop and and taking a class on on how to make beer. And kind of since then, I've uh, they they brought me into it and said, hey, you know, this seems like a, a fun thing to do, and we can make our own beer and yeah, I just kind of—I'm an engineer, so I just jumped on more of the equipment end of it and started building bigger, better, faster ways of making beer, and kind of inherited it from yeah. there. <laughs> so, you worked as an engineer at SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think that you would switch over to this industry? I uh, it had kind of been in the back of my uh, my mind uh, the whole my whole time there. I when I applied for the job at SpaceX, oh, uh, let's go right before that, uh, a year before that. Uh, I had left a previous job at a tool and die shop uh, in San Fernando and was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, I know I don't want to do this right now. Um, I've got, you know, I'm still pretty young. I don't have a family. I mean, I have family. I don't have kids and a wife. Uh, so I didn't have, and I don't have a mortgage. So at that point, I was still, still had time on my hands and wasn't being pulled in other directions. So I figured if this is, no better time than now to uh, kind of jump into the craft beer scene as we were, we were kind of getting into that as I left transitioned into my, my last job. Uh, so yeah, we, we got into, into home brewing and that I took a, a year off of work. I did some side jobs here and there to bring in a little bit of money, but yeah, we were always brewing and I basically studied on my own in that year to kind of learn how to learn how to home brew. And then after that year, I needed to get a real job and uh, <laughs> applied for SpaceX um, and somehow got a job there <laughs> and I worked there for four years, but in during my whole time there, this was kind of brewing, so to speak on the back burner, uh, on weekends and, and nights after work. So we were always kind of pushing to build it to something and it kind of became more of a reality about a year, year and a half into SpaceX. Wow. So you, so you started brewing in 2012. This is, mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier the industry kind of was like leveled off. Like it wasn't really growing. It was Mm -hmm. just steadily there. How did you take this on? Was it like just reading books, internet or like, uh, even then there were, there were, there were still a ton of resources out there. Uh, YouTube was my best friend (laughs) to kind of get started and yeah, just watching other people, uh, brew their own and, uh, homebrew community is so enthusiastic, uh, about teaching others and, you know, the, like the community of, of having people enjoy and, and join in on your hobby. So there was tons of resources there. And then from there, just started getting into um, some of the malt and, uh, and yeast books and water books um, that, that were available and, and trying to educate myself a little further there on my own. Uh, your first home batch, do you recall what type of beer it was? Yeah. Yeah. We brewed, uh, we brewed a blonde ale. Uh, that was kind of the the beginning of Valley Girl. Uh, okay. Valley Girl was sort of a throwback to our first uh, homebrew batch. Um, it was a Kolsch Blonde Ale, and it was very, very, very light. But it didn't. It wasn't bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was extremely light. And actually, on our um, our in 2015 when we opened the brew house, 
we inaugurated those tanks with a couple. We had a couple bottles after that first batch. Oh wow! So <laughs> we poured a little bit in the tanks and tasted it. It was surprisingly it was still drinkable, <laughs> but that yeah, was funny. Were you big into beer when you started this, or was it just kind of like? the a hobby to you um yeah i always always like to drink beer yeah I mean, it was yeah i didn't no i was not really that big into craft beer when we when we got into it and started brewing um we were i think i can speak for uh my partner brian um and his brother-in-law mario were uh were probably more into craft beer than i was i mean i like sierra nevada and you know uh, whatever was on tap that was kind of considered the, the generic craft beer yeah. at the time. Uh, it was, the, uh, it was something I liked and, uh, I wasn't just didn't know too much about it. And then like getting into the brewing side of it when we started home brewing and, and, uh, found a local craft beer bar that had an awesome bartender that was explaining everything to us and, and started really teaching us. Uh, that was when you, you know, really started kind of falling in love with it. So that's, that's the big thing is, is education in this, in this industry is, is, is huge. Um, and that's, that's kind of what got us hooked. Well, me especially. Do you find yourself no. still a beer drinker or Absolutely. did it kind of, oh, <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, even more so? Um, you know, I probably drink a little less, um, now that we're, uh, we're brewing. Now maybe, well, I take that back right before the tasting room opened. I, I drank less. Now I drink a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's now it's just, uh, trying different things. I, I kind of feel like when I, when I get something on tap that, that I like, I'll, I'll go to that one all the time. But any, anytime I go out, um, go to different places, I'm just trying new styles and different things just to, you know, see if that might be something that, that I, I think would be good in our brewery. And, um, yeah, just out of curiosity, anytime I go to other breweries, I, I always try to see what, what they have. That's the most unique. Now, what is your favorite beer? Like, was there like a beer that realized uh, that you're perfecting it and this is where I'm at? I'd say probably the the first one that was very unique and uh, just kind of luckily came out pretty on point was um, Gravity Hill. Okay. Uh, Valley Girl took a, a lot of, uh, she's very difficult. <laughs> took a lot they of patience. and uh, Yeah. <laughs> And she, uh, she proved herself many, many times. Um, and that, that was kind of probably the most enjoyable to, to get right, uh, was Valley Girl. But yeah, probably Gravity Hill was the first one that we, we nailed. And what type of, uh, beer is that? <laughs> it's a Belgian Golden Strong Ale. Oh, okay. I believe. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> Don't quote me. <laughs> no. But that's, uh, yeah, that was a, a very interesting one. It was, it was kind of a throwback to, at the time, we're, Drinking delirium tremens and uh, getting into the, the those those Belgian uh, Belgian strongs, and um, I really wanted to do a, a golden strong similar to that one. So we tried to replicate that one. The first time it was it was close but not on point. But we liked what was going. And I think the second batch we'd, we're like, hey, this is this is unique. This is this is something that wow. you know I haven't tried before out on the market, and we kind of stuck with that. So is is that kind of how you find yourself brewing these beers? Is it like you taste something and you're like, I yeah. like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, most of our beers are, are at least when we first started off, were tributes to beers that were out there that we really liked. And we said, I mean, that's how most brewers start. You want to, I want to be able to replicate this or try to make, try to make a, a fat tire or a, 
or a shock top or whatever, you know, <laughs> not that you'd specifically, when we, when we were starting out, or shock top wasn't around, but I think blue moon was when we tried to mm-hmm. kind of replicate and, you know, it was beers. We were, we were just getting into the, into the craft beer scene and the, the, the kind of the baby step craft beers, you know, wanted to see if we could make something similar to that and what that would take. So then it evolves from there and you start having some, uh, some of the extremely hot forward beers. I think one of them was uh, knuckle sandwich, um, uh, by bootleggers was, was one that I got turned on to. And then Maharaja, um, uh, was, was, an, was another one that I wanted to like brew something like, and that's kind of how we bounced around and you're never going to replicate it. But usually once you get there, you start finding out what in different ingredients taste like, what, what biscuit malt tastes like, what, what Simcoe hops taste like, what, uh, you know, what the different types of yeast, the yeast strains will different flavor profiles that they have. And you can only really get that by, by just brewing them and st- just slightly altering the recipe and changing one variable and doing it again and seeing how it changes. Um, a lot of science to it. Yeah, That's why oh, you yeah. took to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, uh, you touched on it that it was always in the back of your mind, but did you ever think that A1A Brewery would get to this point? Like you got a brewery and a tasting room now. Um, not to sound cocky, but to a certain extent, yes. I. That's the only way that, I think we could feasibly make this work. Um, when you look at starting out as a production brewery only just doing wholesale, it's, it's impossible to, to, I mean, unless you're not, you're not taking any money and you're, you, you have a bunch of money saved up and you can live <laughs> off of that and you have some other business in the background. Okay. You can make that work, but to start off on our size, it's not a sustainable business. You need to use that, utilize that, uh, that platform to just get your name out. And then from there, then you, then you can bring it into your tasting room. A lot of people start off with tasting rooms. Um, and it, that's kind of what this, our license is designed for is to, to start out with a tasting room that, that really finances the business and helps it stay afloat and pay everybody as they grow. So I mean, for me, I just saw the Valley is such a drought for craft beer. LA was catching on, but San Fernando Valley was, you know, not only not until the last, like maybe five or six years, a lot of these bars never carried uh, craft beer. So, you know, it was a, a really cool change to see that starting to happen. And I, there's so, there's, I don't know, close to 2 million people in the valley right now and no breweries. I mean, you know, we need to take care of the valley. So that's kind of where I saw us being able to, to step in and, and not only educate, but grow our company here in San Fernando Valley. First off, I don't think that was cocky at all. I think it's uh, realistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, second of all, as a, as a beer enthusiast, I thank you so much for thinking about me when you decided to start uh, brewing. I appreciate it. Uh, I was getting tired of the big companies. I think I was kind of getting a little bit sick on it. Yeah. Like, you know, my hangovers were worse. And I'm yeah. like, this can't just be age. There yeah. has to be more to it. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something was, was we, when you grow the craft beer culture, uh, it, it's you, you open everyone's eyes to new things. So, Definitely. So, and, and not only as, I mean, as a brewer, the more we can cross talk with other brewers and the more brewers we have around us, the more, uh, more experience we, we have together. And it's a pretty tight knit community. So we all talk and when there's a new trend catching on, Hey, we'll try it out. We'll try try this beer, try that, you know, try brewed IPA, try hazy, try, try getting into sours. And, and there's a, a wealth of knowledge that just is not there. If other breweries don't, start popping up so that community helps everybody and bring ultimately will bring much better uh, beer to the area 
I think uh, people are afraid of opening up because it's like, oh, it starts uh, competition, but you know, everybody's different. And mm. like you said, you're, you'll never be able to mimic completely something. No. So your twist on something might be what an individual is looking for. Like, you know, I didn't, I love this beer, but it was a little too bitter for me. And you might be able to replicate that without that bitterness. And, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah take, take, for example, our, um, uh, Jefe del Trigo, uh, that one is, so we use a Kolsch yeast. It, it's a, uh, uh, a citrus uh, uh, wheat ale, but it's not really a Hefenweizen. Oh, okay. So we don't use a Hefenweizen yeast strain, which will give off banana-y type phenolics and stuff that, you know, what turns a lot of people off when they think Hefs. Like, ah, I don't like Hefs. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily that you don't like uh, wheat beers. It may just be that Hefenweizen yeast strain. It, you know, so we, we brewed up a wheat beer or, well, say, maybe, I don't like wheat beers, but um, so we brewed up a wheat beer and we used our Kolsch yeast strain on that one, which fermented at colder temperatures has tends to have natural citrus notes to it. Uh, use Amarillo hops um, on top of that and um, boil up five, five pounds of orange peels and, uh, and a pound of grapefruit peels. And you have something that like uh, just talking to our customers, they're not wheat beer fans will come out, come at me like, dude, this is awesome. Like you're, this is not like, like the regular wheat, the traditional wheat beer that I'm used to drinking. So, you know, things like that. I mean, it's not that it hasn't been done before, but a lot of times if you educate and explain what might be behind it, which will turn people off, you can, you can help them better understand what they're drinking. So, so my uh, personal experience with the Heffenweiser type of beers is that it's a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. And I do notice that, like, not so much a strong banana note, but mm-hmm. it's somewhat there. Yeah. So, you, like, your strain that you just talked about, um, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a little bit more crispier. Yeah. 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 And it's so it's, like, more lively. Yeah. It's not nece- It's not a lager. It's kind of in between an auger and a lager. Ah, excuse me. It's kind of in between a lager and an ale yeast. Uh, you can ferment at very cold temperatures, which which adds a bit of that crisp, crispness to it and some of those citrus notes. Yeah, when you the Hefenweizens, I believe, are ferment a little bit warmer, but they just have that that yeast strain just has those characteristics to it, that spiciness, that those clovey banana notes. So that's kind of why we wanted to try this one first before. And there's a lot of big brew, uh, big beers out there that do use the Belgian white yeast strain. Um, uh, which is very similar to you know, the, the the traditional half. So yeah, we wanted to try something a little bit a little bit different, um, and yeah, just kind of capture uh, more of that citrus end of it from the yeast and the hops. That was another thing we didn't use um, orange peels. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, we didn't use the bitter orange peels, the pith of the of the orange. We just used the sweet orange peels. So okay. you just get the orange oil, the orange aromas, uh, and not the bitterness from that. I've I've tried some that use all of the orange peel and it's a little bit too intense so yeah we just you know messing around trying different things if it didn't come out the way we we liked it we'll try something a little <laughs> different next time the beauty of having a tasting room well, <laughs> true that but so then are you like you're like almost like a chef in a sense as well that you're like making sure that the ingredients are like up to your par like what you're aiming for and what you're shooting for yeah there's a lot of uh rules of thumb out there on Hey, yeah, when you when you get into um, uh, using fruits, it's, it's a, there. There are a lot of rules rules of thumb out there, but nothing's necessarily set in stone. So yeah, you do get to 
you know, uh, get to play around with it a little bit and, and, and have your own twist on it. So, yeah, to a certain extent. That's what makes you the head brewer. You yeah. get to experiment with this <laughs> yep. instead of just following the, the yep. rules and the guidelines, you know? Yeah. All right. So we kind of uh, jumped a little bit into this, but uh, getting to know you as a person, uh, I myself was, and still to this day, I'm very lost in this world. <laughs> but uh, when you were a little kid, what did you want to grow up to be? Uh, I think I wanted to be an engineer, but like on a train. On a train. <laughs> uh, that's that's the earliest memory I, memory I can think of. Uh, I always liked trains, cars, trucks, any kind of mechanical stuff. So. Uh, so you always had that itch for the like. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Building stuff and yeah, <laughs> making things. Yeah. Um, and that's, um, I mean, right before I left uh, my the job before SpaceX, I. I put together a machine shop in my garage, so we use that to kind of support a lot of the brewing equipment, and um, like we built our um, our bottle filler filler and capper out out of the garage, and you know we try to you know it's it's kind of a fun sort of hobby thing to me as well, but it's something we can you know a lot of times you're gonna be paying someone a lot of money to build some custom equipment for you. In this industry, there are a couple cookie cutter brewery packages, but then from then on out, if you have different techniques to um, to make different beers, a lot of times you have to adjust your equipment, and being able to do that without having to pay pay a welder and a machinist and and someone to design it's a, a pretty pretty huge deal. So um, at the same time, you're finding a, a way like this is still your job, and yeah, you need yeah. an outlet from your job. And yeah. now you found your you're uh, like, well, my passion is this, <laughs> and uh, or also this, and I can support it. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a fun thing to tie in, but I mean they're both sort of tied together. Yeah, I haven't really thought of what I would do. Like, say, if I was ever to retire someday, I haven't really thought that far ahead of time with <laughs> that. I don't know. I like to mountain bike and stuff, so that's okay. Uh, I've been kind of away from that, so focusing so much on the business lately. But yeah, we're kind of getting to the point now. Where we have a good staff in place, and might get to do, do that a little bit. <laughs> play around in the hills. Very cool. Yeah, we need you to keep sharp, so yeah. that way you know you keep bringing the. Yep. It's great beers to us, man. Yeah, and, and, sp- and mentioning the the team we have, uh, I've got a, a really awesome assistant brewer, Alex, that we just hired uh, a couple months back. He's been helping us out. Um, really caught on quick on the on the on the equipment and, and the cleaning end, so I'm I'm training him on uh, on brewing as well. So that's also another thing that's been helping our quality improve. Is now that it's not just all everything on me, <laughs> it, it's uh, we're able to put some better uh, QC. Uh, checks in we're starting to put a, a little lab together and um yeah it's just it's 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 definitely improving the uh, the product quality and we will soon be able to um start doing some test test batches that'll last like uh, maybe one to two weeks in the tasting room and, and as soon as we get that little the, our, our test batch line uh going uh we can uh yeah we'll, we'll fill up the rest of our taps really quick okay. and um yeah right now it's we're mainly just focusing on yeah, like I said, the QC stuff on the big equipment, um, dialing everything in since it is a relatively new brew house and uh, fermenter package. Uh, we're also getting a, a glycol system to to chill all the tanks, and that's going to up our product quality. So everything we do, we, we try to. I mean, we're focusing on on the quality of the product we're we're producing and um, how to maintain that and be consistent. And I think that's probably something where our brewery has really been able to shine is, is in our consistency. And, and I owe a lot of that to, 
you know, now that we're, we're, we're able to uh, focus more on the, the bigger picture and we, we have, we have a good support team with us. It sounds like you're looking like six weeks into your plan and then like six years into your plan. Yeah. Like you're, you're looking at it at all angles. You know, sometimes people think like, Oh, I'll start my business. And once it gets going, it's like, I can take a step back, but yeah. you're even like, no, I need to be hands on. Cause uh, I, yeah. I just want to keep on this. Yeah. I, I just got to get, and that's something recently we've, we've been seeing that, Hey, we need to get pulled out of the day to day a little bit so yeah. we can focus on bigger picture, bigger picture items. Um, and that's, you know, having, having an assistant has really given me the opportunity to step back and work with our, uh, uh, the, the refrigeration guys and, and set up and plan out, uh, how we're going to put this new system in. Um, right now we're, we're running on some pretty shoddy equipment to keep things cool and it's worked and, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, all the water heats up and you gotta, you gotta wait a few days before you can brew it, brew again for it to cool down. And you're just pumping chilled water around through the brewery. And now we'll have a, like a legitimate refrigerated glycol system that'll be all plumbed in and we don't have to worry about it. It just maintains its temperatures, all the tanks I'll be able to, uh, monitor from my smartphone. And see cool. all the all the fermentation temperatures and ramp, and be able to do ramp cycles and just be sure that every beer uh, at the same exact time in its fermentation cycle is is undergoing the same temperature adjustments. And it just improves product quality and seeing that even from the home brewing side. Yeah, we've had plenty of batches that were not quite the same and and we've been able to figure out you know kind of why that's happening and and so now it's. You know, you're only you're only as good as that beer. The beer you're going to be serving tonight to someone. If if you have a problem with a batch of beer and it gets out on the market, it can kill your reputation. Oh yeah. So you 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 absolutely and, and you may not be a bad brewery. You just let something get away from you. Um, so I've I've found that to be extremely critical in in, in us being able to grow and and grow into our equipment. Because uh. Like your whole refrigeration system that you're talking about, that's going to allow you guys to pump in more uh, brew cycles. Um, yeah, it'll shorten the brew cycles a bit, okay. um, but it'll take all of our, it'll put all of our tanks on t- online, and we'll be able to crash beers faster. Mm. Um, so what that does is it, it it allows us to gather the yeast, um, gather more out more yeast out of the beer. And we, we can actually crash to a cooler temperature. Right now, we can get to about lagering temperatures. This will be able to crash to just about freezing in like 12 hours. What that does is it drops all the yeast out. It improves the quality of the yeast you're going to reuse on your next batch. Uh, it allows you to drop any um, proteins from the from the grain, from the uh, tube, from the from the brew day, to drop that out before you uh, pitch your yeast in. Uh, it just improves the whole thing. And, and we've designed our uh, brewery to... Um, to use single tanks. So we have, we have what are called uni tanks and we're able to ferment crash, uh, and carbonate in those same tanks. So the beer does not leave that tank. It stays in there until it goes into the keg or into the bottling line, you know, through a filter and into the bottling line. And that, that allows us to, um, mitigate any risk and in transfers and infections, uh, during that time. And, um, yeah, just improve our throughput a bit. So you're, you're just, perfecting this to a whole nother level then even on the micro side and with all this technology are you going to be able to experiment with like different styles of beers as well oh yeah Yeah, that's what it sounds like this will give us um give us yeah more more ability to uh well the ability to do a nice light lager uh we're also going to be uh after the the first stage is going to be our our chilled water system and the next one will be a um 
uh, a uh, reverse osmosis filtration system. So then we can we can do light loggers, um, uh, do Munich loggers, do various styles, and really you know be able to replicate that that water profile. I don't see those as as being our cores as much. You never know what what will happen or what catches on. But we started off with our uh, the city water in Canoga Park and just do a basic uh, uh, small particulate filtration and um, activated charcoal uh, filter. And so that kind of removes a lot of the off flavors, chlorine and stuff, but you still have the mineral balance that we have in our groundwater. So it's going to taste like, it's not going to taste like it came from anywhere else than Canoga Park. <laughs> so, which is, I mean, we we're, we're producing great beer with it and our cores, I want to keep that profile. So, by having those systems in place, we can we can readily measure it. And if anything changes on the city water, which which tends to happen, especially when it rains, we can pull that back and then add those minerals and recreate what we what we baseline as our as our water profile. So that it just like I said, I mean, all, everything's going towards upping the quality, but we don't want to you know distance ourselves from our our identity. So, yeah, because you're you're not just talking. Hey, let's throw eight one eight on our beer bottles and call it 818 you're talking all of it the water that you're using like you said mm. you're gonna keep that um how people distinguish your beer yeah. is through the water and it's yep. you're gonna keep that yep. rain or shine yep very cool that's... dude this beer's not just fun to drink it's fun <laughs> to learn about yep oh yeah and that's that's kind of been my my thought since the beginning and i still kind of lean to it a little bit but i see a time when in the valley when we we start getting more and more breweries and the the city starts relaxing some of the regulations and the, the kind of the beauty of the craft beer, uh, uh, craft beer scene is that you can go, it's not distributed everywhere. It's not all mass produced. So you can only, you go down to San Diego and want to try uh, a beer from a certain brewery down there. You can't, you can only go get it from there. That kind of makes additional value to traveling and, and going out and, and checking out different, different areas, different cities. So, you know, if you can only have 818 in the San Fernando Valley, you know, that's kind of a cool deal. So I, that's kind of the way I've, I've always pictured it, this, this scene kind of growing up and, and those small breweries, you know, just being very centric to, to their locale. You, you really do think about this like 10 steps ahead of the time then. You're not just living in the moment. No, no, no. you can't. Yeah, you, you won't survive <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> Maybe if you get lucky. <laughs> if you get lucky, <laughs> there's a lot of luck involved in everything, but it's uh, yeah, you have to you have to be analytical and 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 your choices and you know what you want to do. And there's certain things that make this whole this whole community special and and craft beer special. And you need to embrace those and you know the reasons why you got into it. You know you can't forget about that stuff. Yeah, because we talked about like how you throw. You know, you're representing San Fernando Valley now, 818, Canoga yep. Park. And it's very cool. And like hearing your side of it, like you're, it, this isn't just some cutesy yep. thing to put on a bottle. It, no, we mean this it. Is, yeah, this is where I, where I grew up. I grew up in Silmar. You know, I've been out here my whole life. So, yeah. I asked some of the podcast listeners some questions that they had mm -hmm. for brewers. And um, most of them were kind of the same, but here were the three that, uh, we're a little different. Okay. What drives you to continue doing what you're doing? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but really you've gone through the hard times mm. with this, like the trial and error, not knowing when this, your tasting room was going to open. 
was there any times there when you're like, why continue or what made you keep going? It's, uh, it's its own kind of reward, this business. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's fun. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're making something that, that, that makes people happy and, uh, doesn't exist anywhere else. And, you know, you're, you're, ma- you're making your own beer. I mean, what <laughs> other motivation is that? Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as like the, the hard work side and, and, and growing and, and getting to the, the next levels, I don't know. It's just, it, it's fun. It's fun for me to, to build a business and, and to see things grow. So now it's kind of taking on more of that aspect. But at the end of the day, if you've put in a, you know, a 14 hour day in the brewery and you're just dead tired and, you know, worked, worked your ass off when you walk through that, that door and into the tasting room and everyone here is enjoying it. I mean, that puts a smile on your face and makes it easy to come back the next day and keep and do it again. Cool, man. Okay. This was, uh, actually from a fellow brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's with all the beards in the industry? I don't know. I have a beard. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> uh, my partner's got a beard. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a it's a contamination risk. Uh, <laughs> I'm not growing any more. You guys I'm not growing that? any yeast uh, in my beard, and uh, yeah, I, w- I would hate to subject you to that. So <laughs> that is if I could grow a beard. So <laughs> sorry, I was told to ask. You wouldn't want to see my beard. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my uh, my dad's the same way. He can't grow a beard, and no. here I am with a full-on beard. <laughs> All right, um, one of my favorite questions. Do you feel like Jesus turning water into beer? <laughs> nah, I don't know about that. It's <laughs> a good one, though. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough to settle for Derek. <laughs> Good answer. Since you like the education part about beer, if somebody was to come in here and just told you, recommend me a beer and why, what what would you tell them? Because I know they're not just going to get a simple answer. You're going to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What what do you recommend? That's a a great question (laughs) in the tasting room. Um, Yeah. It would totally depend on your style. But if, if. a lot of times I'm getting, I get asked what, uh, what's your favorite beer of, of the beers you have on tap. And you know, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite, but I like to go by the most unique and, and something you probably haven't had before. And that'd be gravity Hill. Um, and that one, that one we've, we've gotten a little bit of notoriety on and it's something I, I just, I haven't had anything really out there quite like it. That one are probably a good day, but gravity would be, be my go-to, I guess. All right. That's not it's not one I drink all the time. <laughs> but um but it's it's one that, you know, it's it's a little different. You're a man of science. Is there a difference from getting a beer here? Like I feel personally if I go to a brewery, it's going to knock me down a little bit. Mm. Is, is it stronger cuz it's so fresh? Um not stronger. No. Uh I think uh, the environment plays a huge role oh, wow. into uh your perception of of what you're drinking. Um, so the more like anything, when you go to, when you go to tasting rooms, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll try something there and it's, it's like, ah, this is okay. And it's like the, uh, if you say, say you go to a wine tasting room and it's like the last, you know, the last one on the, on the, on the trip or whatever. And, and, 
And uh, it was, or maybe the first one on the trip and you're like, ah, this place is kind of, yeah, you don't, you don't feel good there. And, and, but you feel like you're obligated to buy a bottle of wine or whatever. And you, um, because you're tasting for free and you, you pick one and it's like, ah, it was decent. And then as you go on, you get, you're, you're getting sloppier and sloppier. And by the end of the, at the end of the little bus trip, uh, you buy one and, you know, buy a case at the last place. And it was just like, like Disneyland in there <laughs> and you're having a great time. Uh, and you, you bring them back and the next day you, or, you know, a couple of days later, cause you have a nasty hangover, you try them. Uh, and the first place was awesome. And the last one was just terrible. I mean, I think a little bit of that plays into this, the same, the same sense. So I think your perception is slightly altered by, by where you're tasting it at. You need to have a good, good environment to portray your beers. Um, but they still have to stand up to everything else on tap. Um, and this is, you know, I think with the steps we've take, we've taken to build our business, that's why we're most of our accounts are, are rotating or are, are, are constantly handles that we always have. They just keep reordering because it, it sells. Yeah. And that's because we're focusing on our quality and keeping it the same every time. Yeah. Strength wise, it's, they should be the, be about the same. Uh, there shouldn't be any variation there. Freshness. I would think everything should taste a little bit better in here for one. You're in the brewery and that's a pretty <laughs> cool thing. Um, and for the, that, another thing it's, a lot of times we'll most of our kegs that we have out on tap are pretty uh they they rotate pretty fast um but for the most part you you're guaranteed whatever is here is only going to be a few weeks old so any advice you have for individuals out there that either they're trying to open up a brewery start home brewing or just need a kick in the pants in life in general what would you tell them all the advice that was given to me was don't do it <laughs> Uh, unless you're like really, really ready to work, it's, and it's kind of like that with anything. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of room for, for more craft breweries, especially here in the San Fernando Valley. I mean, you kind of see what the Inland Empire has done, uh, how many breweries have popped up out there in downtown LA. I think we're like over 70 breweries or something like that now. Oh, wow. There's a ton. Uh, I um, only knew about three, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's 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 a bunch out there, and and there's yeah there's plenty of room out here. And I've heard some people say, hey, you know, you need to uh, win as many awards as you can and get your name known. And I don't know. I mean, that's all good confidence builders for you. I just just brew as much as you can. Uh, if if you're out there home brewing and uh, and you're really liking it, I mean, there's there's a shortage of brewers around. Go offer your offer your uh, your, your sweat and and. Um, and back up to a <laughs> to one of the local craft breweries. I'm sure they'll take you. You know, there's the, and and that's where you gain experience. You know, when you you can only get somewhere so far on your own. I'm sort of a self starter, and I I, I I focus and I and I um, uh, just kind of put my head down and dig. I think you can make mistakes that way if you don't reach out to the rest of the community and and start just be open to everything and start learning. You have to have a good knowledge base to understand what's what's BS and what's seems factual and makes sense. But yeah, the more you can get out there and, um, go to, to go to different breweries, you know, offer to offer to help out. There's a lot of them out there that need, need an extra hand and offering to train you and kind of teach you for, for trade for a little bit of labor. And that's a very good thing if you want to get into this business. And it sounds like the, like Brian and yourself have been uh, talking about, it seems like the industry is very open to that. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You don't, this is not a place where you really need a college degree or, you know, you just need to have interest and uh, maybe a little bit of experience. That's, that's the main thing. Everything here uh, you can learn. It's, doesn't doesn't require special schooling i when you get up to a certain level it kind of does if you're going to be a be a lab tech yeah I, I, for for a brewery that's been in place for a while yeah you're gonna you're gonna probably need to have your uh your, your bachelor's in science and, but you know for for little guys like this you can learn you can learn a lot just just going and coming in the doors and, and asking asking what you can do to help out and learn pretty much everything on on the equipment side uh on the brewing equipment uh, I've learned by talking to other people, trial and error, <laughs> just doing a little bit of research on my own. I didn't go to school for any of this. All right. I think that, uh, about wraps us up, right. but for everybody, come on by, check it out. A1A Brewery, Canoga Park, check it out and stop by on Instagram too. Say hello. Check right. in with us. Cheers. Both. Thank you. Cheers.